Greetings, welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on this program, you're more than welcome to call in, so long as it's about something I'm going to talk about anyway. I want to begin, of course, with Tucker Carlson. I, I, I've kind of struggled on how to figure out how to talk about this one. What Tucker Carlson is doing with his coverage of the videos from January 6th is no different from what every other media outlet is doing with their coverage of what's happening in Atlanta, Georgia with the police training facility. It's no different than the media's coverage of the George Floyd riots. Tucker Carlson is picking a side and building a narrative, and the rest of the media is livid. But he's doing what they are doing. Tucker Carlson called the January 6th riot mostly peaceful. It's not a coincidence. It's an intentional word choice. That's what CNN called the riots in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Fiery but mostly peaceful. It is absolutely not a coincidence that Tucker Carlson's using the same language. Turnabout, we're at the point where everybody thinks it's fair play, except the media and the Democrats don't like it. What's frustrating here are the number of people, though, who have taken uh, Tucker Carlson's selective edits and believe that they are true, like the brain biblical donkey in the bison helmet uh, somehow was innocent and a victim and led around by police. That's actually not true. Uh, he did storm into the Capitol with a bunch of rioters forcing their way in. Uh, he, he was uh, did have police around him. Those police, having been interviewed and plenty of other videotape involved that wasn't shown, showing that the police didn't react hostily because they were outnumbered 10 to 1. There were plenty of good people who got caught up in the protests. And in some cases, over-eager prosecutors and judges punished people who shouldn't have been punished, but they also punished some who deserved it. And that's somewhat different from the riots where a lot of the people got a pass. Let's just let, let's review the record here so everyone understands what we're dealing with here. Because we're not actually dealing with truth. We're, we're dealing with, with, with a, a narrative-based revision of history uh, in a tit-for-tat with the rest of the media. So let's review. In Wisconsin... Republicans in the Wisconsin legislature decided to pass right to work, get rid of union power in the state. Union activists stormed the state capitol to shut down the legislature taking a legislative vote, a lawful legislative vote. Union activists shut down the legislature. They shut down the legislature. They tried to block them from having to vote. They chased legislators out of the state capitol, and Nancy Pelosi cheered them on. Nancy Pelosi cheered them on. The media cheered them on. The media claimed it was democracy in action, the people rising up to stop what they perceived as an illegitimate vote of the state legislature. In Texas, Wendy Davis, Texas's abortion Barbie, in her pink shoes, rallied to try to filibuster pro-life legislation, and crowds began to show up. 
and they stormed the Texas state capitol. They tried to shut down the legislature, and the media praised these protesters as heroes. Again, they were protecting the so-called rights of women. They were protecting the right of an abortion. They were heroes stopping those evil, bigoted, Christ-to-fascist legislators, and they were heroes. When small business owners in 2020 took to the streets of the state capitol in Wisconsin and in Michigan and elsewhere, demanding that their businesses be reopened, they were vilified by the press. In fact, multiple reporters suggested had they gotten COVID, they would need to give up their access to ventilators and die because they were so reckless in their protesting. Fast forward just three months later to the George Floyd protests. And these very same reporters were talking about how it was people's civic obligation to do this. Forget the masks. Forget the social distancing. Forget fears of COVID. This was more important. Screw the small business owners, but yay for this. Or Atlanta. In Atlanta, Georgia, right now, even the local media in Atlanta, I honestly think they are scared. I think the local media is scared to be truthful with what is happening. I think they are scared of these Antifa goons. These terrorists in Atlanta, for those of you who don't live near here, they haven't just thrown Molotov cocktails at police. They tried to maim and kill firefighters. They attacked a fire station. They firebombed a youth facility. They firebombed businesses. They stalked and harassed the wives and children of some of the men working on the construction project. They stormed into church worship services to disrupt church services. These are not protesters. They are terrorists, and yet the media calls them protesters. ABC News was perhaps the worst of it, completely dismissive of what happened, and did not even report that a Southern Poverty Law Center lawyer was arrested and charged with domestic terrorism. The media gave all of these things a pass. The media revised these things to herald their their democracy in action aspect. The January 6th committee did the same thing. The January 6th committee actually released selectively edited video to make it look like Congressman Barry Loudermilk was doing advanced prep work with the rioters. So Congressman Barry Loudermilk, who I know and and like, is from North Atlanta. And the day before the January 6th riot, Congressman Loudermilk gave a tour of the Capitol. And in one case, he was pointing out a stairwell. That stairwell happened to have a historic light fixture in it that uh, the people wanted to see, and he wanted to point it out to them. The January 6th committee doctored, well, I shouldn't say doctored, they just selectively edited, with the help of an ABC News former president. They selectively edited the video of Barry Loudermilk to make it look like Barry Loudermilk was showing protesters their way around the Capitol so they would know where to go. It was not true. It was thoroughly debunked, but it did not stop the January 6th committee from releasing that and other selectively edited videos to make it look like he and other Republicans were up to no good. So along comes Tucker Carlson, who does the same thing. Tucker Carlson selectively edited January 6th videos, just like the January 6th committee, except Tucker Carlson's guy was the um, 
bison-helmeted biblical donkey. And he made it look like that guy was innocent, walked through the Capitol, guided by police. It wasn't actually true. But that's what the January 6th committee did to Barry Loudermilk. And the media gave the January 6th committee a pass. The media heralded the January 6th committee, and they're vilifying Tucker Carlson for doing the same thing. The same thing. All Tucker Carlson is giving them is a taste of their own medicine. They called, I mean, literally, CNN had a reporter standing in front of a burning building in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and they're, they're crying underneath him. says, fiery but mostly peaceful protest. That's what, that was how CNN characterized the riots in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Fiery but mostly peaceful. Do you know how much property damage? There was millions of dollars in property damage. Many of them black-owned businesses burned to the ground. And it wasn't just there. It was around the country that this happened. And the media gave those protesters a pass. The media gave the people who stormed the capitals of, of Wisconsin and Texas a pass. Tucker Carlson would not have uttered the words mostly peaceful protest about January 6th had CNN not done it first. The problem here is that all of this is moral relativism. There actually were violent protesters at the U.S. Capitol. They actually did storm into the building. It was not an insurrection. I have never said and do not believe it was an insurrection. If it was an insurrection, all these Second Amendment activists sure as hell were an insurrection. It was an incursion. It was a riot. And there were malevolent actors, including, frankly, Ashley Babbitt, who some people defend as, as some innocent person murdered. She wasn't. I've seen the whole security video footage. Members of Congress are fleeing in the background. This door is locked. You can see the members of Congress on the security footage running for their lives as this mob is attempting to smash down the door. And there is one police officer pointing his gun at these people. And Ashley Babbitt tries to go through an upper glass window to get down to unlock the door. And the police officer shoots her as members of Congress are fleeing in the background. She was no hero. She was no martyr. She thought she was on the side of righteousness and she wasn't. Have no reason to defend Ashley Babbitt. What happened to her was a tragedy. She believed a lie, got caught up in the lie, and she died. It is tragic, but she was no hero. There were good people who wandered the Capitol, just as there were good people who turned out to protest police brutality with George Floyd. And some of the good people who got wrapped up in the riots got arrested, and some of the good people who got wrapped up in the riots in, in, in January 6th got arrested. And there were also malcontented souls. There were bad actors who were trying to perpetuate violence in the riots of Kenosha, Wisconsin, and the like, and also in the U.S. Capitol. We should be able to distinguish and nuance and recognize there were good people there. And we should be able to recognize, particularly on January 6th, prosecutors were too aggressive with some people, more than they should have been. People who just innocently walked in, you know, up until in, in, after 9-11, you could just wander into the U.S. Capitol. There, there was no security. You could just walk right through the front door. And many of these people probably hadn't been there in quite a while and just assumed the rules hadn't changed. I can wander in, and, and they got in trouble for doing so, and they shouldn't have. 
But there were also people who did try to go after members of Congress. There are also people who erected gallows. There are people who tried to smash down doors. And there are people who stole stuff out of the Capitol. And those people deservedly go to jail. Just as the people who burned down small businesses around the country and the George Floyd riots deserve to go to jail. The difference is prosecutors were way more aggressive with the January 6th people than with the people who burned down Wisconsin. There is a double standard. I don't like the tit for tat. I I don't like the false revisionism. I I don't like uh, either side claiming that, well, what you don't believe your lying eyes, it really was good. Here, let me selectively edit the videos so you can see how good it was. I don't like that. But I at least understand what Tucker Carlson is doing. He's doing no more with January 6th than every other media outlet did with all of these other uh, displays. He's doing no more with January 6th than what MSNBC did with the riots, with the incursions into the Texas and Wisconsin capitals, with what's happening in Atlanta right now. Every member of the media dismissing these terrorists as as innocent little protesters protesting civil rights. It's not true. They're violent, dangerous extremists who nearly killed a police officer. They shot a police officer. They tried to kill firefighters, and the media keeps calling them just, just protesters. So I can't really blame Tucker Carlson for giving the rest of the media a taste of their own medicine. What I find most interesting about the entire thing, one, the number of people who willingly bought the selectively edited videos because they want to believe there were no bad actors that day. But more, I'm actually deeply impressed at the lack of awareness of the rest of the media that what Tucker Carlson is doing is exactly what they've done. They, they, they can't even comprehend that all he's doing is parroting what they've done in the past with these other situations. They're furious with him. They're furious with no self-awareness at all that what he's doing is mocking them. They don't get it because they're smug and self-righteous. And now they don't like it was a damnable event, but it wasn't an insurrection. Just like the Floyd riots, damnable event. And we shouldn't give it a pass. Hello there. Welcome. So I got to play you some audio. Uh, you may have heard me talk last week about the idiot in Florida, Jason Broder, who introduced legislation into the state Senate that would require bloggers who write about state government officials to register. This is Governor Ron DeSantis. Most of you here get this, and you're probably not the ones doing it. It's like, you know, every person in the legislature can file bills, right? I see these people filing bills, and then there's articles with my face on the article saying that, oh, they're going to have to, bloggers are going to have to register for the state. And it's like attributing it to me. And I'm like, okay, that's not anything that that, that I've ever supported. I don't support. Uh, I've been very clear about what we're doing. And so people have a right to file legislation. They have a right to, to do different types of amendments and all that other stuff. Um, but the Florida, leg- a whole 120 of them in the House and however many in the 40 in the Senate, you know, they have independent agency to be able to do things. Like, I don't control every single bill that has been filed or amendments. I mentioned how Tucker Carlson is doing to January 6th what the rest of the media did to the George Floyd riots or the incursions into the state capitals in Texas and Wisconsin, where they downplayed all of that as is mostly peaceful. And now Tucker Carlson is downplaying January 6th as mostly peaceful. You know, the, the media likes to set these narratives. So a state legislator in Florida introduced a bill. This bill would require that bloggers who write about state government officials 
register with the state and file quarterly disclosures on who they've written about and all this other nonsense. DeSantis had no part in the legislation, did not support the legislation, and yet the national media blamed Ron DeSantis for the legislation, completely oblivious to the fact that any legislator can write a piece of legislation and submit it, but they immediately presumed this guy must have done it for Ron DeSantis, which was not true, was factually inaccurate, and they have not apologized. Just again proving the point that Every media outlet out there likes to shape, control, and create narratives. They're not really interested in the truth. The only difference between Fox News and, for example, MSNBC is that we now have the depositions and, and text messages of Fox News hosts and executives essentially admitting to shaping narratives to placate the audience, where we know MSNBC does the same thing. We just haven't seen it in writing, but we know the same thing. Uh, there are certain hosts on MSNBC who vilified Ron DeSantis, not support, and has now made sure everyone knows he will veto it were it to pass. But let's not let facts stand in the way of a good story. No one trusts the media anymore. They have themselves to blame for it. But they lack the self-awareness and the humility to do any sort of self-reflection to wonder why no one trusts them. They cannot even see Tucker Carlson doing essentially a parody of the media coverage of the George Floyd riots and understand what he's doing. They're that clueless. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, glad to have you with me. I, I, I'm kind of, I, I, I don't even know what word to use here. Uh, this is just, it's, it's an interesting take. The Washington Post has a piece. This is not an opinion piece. This is an actual news reporting piece. And essentially it's oh no democracy. Let me let me read you part of this. When the next pandemic sweeps the United States, health officials in Ohio won't be able to shutter businesses or schools even if they become epicenters of outbreaks. Nor will they be empowered to force Ohioans who have been exposed to go into quarantine. State officials in North Dakota are barred from directing people to wear masks to slow down the spread. Not even the president can force federal agencies to issue vaccine or testing mandates to thwart its march. Conservative and libertarian forces have defanged much of the nation's public health system through legislation and litigation as the world staggers into the fourth year of COVID. At least 30 states, nearly all led by Republican legislatures, have passed laws since 2020 that limit public health authority, according to a Washington Post analysis of laws collected by Kaiser Health News and the Associated Press, as well as the Association of State and Territorial Health Officials and the Center for Public Health Law Research at Temple University. Health officials and governors in more than half the country are now restricted from issuing mask mandates, school closures, and other protective measures or must seek permission from their state legislatures before renewing emergency orders. Oh, no, democracy, how terrible. Isn't it amazing how so many people invested in the idea that Donald Trump was an authoritarian really want authoritarianism? 
what we saw in COVID, and and, and let me back up here because I've 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 had a more nuanced take, I think, than uh, a number of of people out there. It was always more likely than not that COVID leaked from a bioweapons laboratory in Wuhan. It was always more likely. This gets back to what Peggy Noonan's piece last week, the the Occam's razor. It was way more likely that it leaked from a bioweapons laboratory in Wuhan that experiments on COVID than it was from a wet market, that it just, oh, it just jumped naturally from raw meat to people, pay no attention to the bioweapons laboratory that actually experiments on these sorts of viruses in that neighborhood where several doctors got sick and had to be hospitalized. No, 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 don't pay attention to that, you racist. It's the wet market. The reaction from public health officials like Tony Fauci to members of the media drove a lot of skepticism. Deservedly so. It made no sense. And then you had this situation where uh, Surgeon General Armstrong and Tony Fauci and others were saying, no, no, don't wear masks. Don't wear masks. Masks aren't going to help you with COVID. Masks aren't going to help you with COVID. And then they turned out and they said, well, actually, we lied. They will help you with COVID, and now you must wear these masks. And we lied to you because first responders needed to them, and now we're not lying to you, and you really need them. And over time, whether it's that they didn't work at all or the fact that um, – or that the virus mutated to such a degree through its variants that it could travel on further and further, particularly, it became very clear masks don't work. And the result – is that our public health officials were insisting that we do things that do not work, like, for example, natural immunity. I have changed my mind on masks over time, and I'm still honestly not sure, and I know that that, that some of you have been very adamant they didn't work the entire time, and there have been studies that show they did. There have been a lot of studies that show they didn't. Over time, though, it did become increasingly clear that the virus could spread on smaller and smaller droplets that could pass through any mask. So, no, they didn't make sense. I mean, towards the end of 2020, even I'm like, ah, these things aren't working. Everybody I know is getting COVID, even the people who are very cautious. And yet health officials were doubling down on stuff like that, and then they got to the vaccine. It has always made sense. Now, listen, I'm not an expert. I took biology, but I'm not an expert. But I took enough biology to understand there's something called natural immunity. And if you get a virus, the odds of you going back and getting that virus again anytime soon is slim to none. It made a lot of sense that people who got the virus didn't need to get the vaccine, and yet they insisted we needed the vaccine and it would stop us from getting COVID. And in fact, it did not stop us from getting COVID. It may have reduced it in some cases. It may have helped people who were immunocompromised. But also, it turns out we now know what I and others were saying. Natural immunity did as well or better than the vaccine. In fact, uh, I have long been advising friends of mine, even when the vaccine was out, that if you've just gotten COVID, there's no point in getting the vaccine. You've already got natural immunity. And at the time, I said that on air and had healthcare professionals emailing me, how dare you say that? How dare you discourage someone from getting the vaccine? But it was always true. And time and time again, our public health experts tried to impose their will on us without any basis for doing so or with flawed studies. And the legislatures have had enough. 
and they've now restricted governors and public health officials from imposing on the citizens. Now, here's the thing. Whether you agree or not, whether you agree or not, the fact is this is democracy in action. And the very same Washington Post, the Washington Post, whose motto is democracy dies in the darkness. Their reporters, not opinion writers, but reporters, are lamenting the fact. They are lamenting that the legislatures are responding to the demands of the voters and taking power away. Honestly, our public health officials have discredited themselves through this process. But yeah, this goes back to my theory of what actually happened. At the beginning of the pandemic, our public health officials sold governors, the president, elected officials in legislatures and in Congress. They sold them on the idea we could get to COVID zero. Remember two weeks to, to flatten the curve, two weeks to stop the spread, 15 days or whatever it was, and that went on for months. And they assured us they could land the plane on the zero COVID runway. And they can't. And because they couldn't land the plane, they just kept flying the plane. They had to come up with some other place to land the plane. They couldn't, they couldn't do it at zero COVID. They didn't want to do it at, at, at COVID all the time. They wanted to find something else, and they never could find the balance. They put all their faith in vaccines that turned out not to work as good as they thought. And they wanted to keep the plane going. And some of them, some of them, not all of them, but some of them, really began to enjoy the power. Tony Fauci's office became a monument to Tony Fauci. Every front page magazine cover was framed in his office. He got to throw out the first pitch of the baseball game, and it sucked, but he got to throw out the first pitch. He got to parade all over televisions across America. He's still parading across TVs telling everyone how wonderful he is, telling everybody how grand he is, telling everybody everything except the fact that he refuses to acknowledge that, yes, in fact, the virus probably leaked from that lab. And yes, in fact, we were funding gain-of-function research. He cannot bring himself to publicly admit what everyone already knows is true. And then we saw this around the country. We, we, we saw school boards overreact. We saw public health officials overreact, and here's the thing. At the beginning, if anything, I would be charitable and graceful for people who overreacted because the common sense theory was that COVID released from a bioweapons lab, so we had no idea what the fallout was going to be. The Chinese weren't sharing any data, and what we saw were overwhelmed hospitals. We saw places like New York City and even Albany, Georgia, a town in South Georgia, the second hardest hit part of the country. A pastor came to preach a funeral, and he was COVID positive and nearly killed the entire population of attendees at the funeral. They all got COVID. A lot of them were in poor health. A significant number of them died. Those were the early days of COVID. We should not rewrite history and forget the early days of COVID, of, of freezer trucks piled high with bodies in New York City, of congregations in South Georgia wiped out by this virus. They were spreading around the country. The Chinese were lying to us. We didn't know how bad it was going to be. Of course, there was going to be a reaction and to some degree a panic and to some degree an overreaction. But as the year went on, we started realizing more and more people were surviving. We began to realize one of the problems was obesity. And our public health officials wouldn't be honest with obesity because they didn't want to shame and judge fat people. They didn't want to shame and judge diabetics.
So they couldn't be honest with that. They couldn't be honest on the masks. And they really enjoyed exercising their power. They wanted to force you to get the vaccine. They wanted to force your business to be closed. And the media got in on the act as well. Remember when Brian Kemp reopened the state of Georgia, first state to reopen, Georgia. The headline in the Atlantic was Georgia's experiment in human sacrifice. That reporters never apologized to the state of Georgia, to the governor of Georgia, to anyone smeared in that article for reopening the state. Ron DeSantis reopened Florida. Things went well. In fact, it's not a coincidence that the data shows that in red states, kids are outperforming kids in blue states. The states in the areas of the country that reopen schools first, the kids are better academically than the schools in the areas of the country where they kept things shut down. No one wants to acknowledge this basic proven fact. In fact, there are a lot of basic proven facts no one wanted to acknowledge. And so legislatures have stepped in. They've stepped in deservedly so. They've stepped in because it's what their voters wanted. And to condemn legislatures for curtailing the powers of bureaucracies that had no democratic power, they were agents of others. They were agents of the executive. They overplayed their hand, and many executives let them get away with it. And now legislatures, which is where the power of the people reside, legislatures are curtailing those powers. They've seen the overplayed hand, and they are responding to the power grabs. They are not the villains, and the people who want them to curtail the power are not the villains. The villains, frankly, are the public health officials who decided to keep using their power to keep making us comply with what they wanted when what they wanted was not working. The vaccine mandators of the COVID vaccine, they're the villains here. It doesn't work as well as they claim. Does it work? Yes, it does. My wife has an incurable form of lung cancer. She got COVID. She would probably be dead but for the vaccine. But that doesn't mean everyone should get the vaccine. It doesn't mean everyone needs to get the vaccine. If you've had COVID, there's no reason to get the vaccine. And yet the public health officials demand that you do and try to silence any talk about natural immunity until they couldn't anymore. Of course people are mad. Of course people are aggravated. Of course people want their legislatures to act. And it's actually an abomination that some legislatures have refused to act. It's actually an abomination that some legislatures have ignored the complaints of the people who elected them. That's the abomination. That's the damnable event. Not legislatures actually acting on behalf of the people to curtail the power of bureaucrats who abuse their power. That should be the proper framing here. But, of course, the media has a side, and they're playing it. Now, I got a side, too. It's the side that wants to make sure you are taken care of with all the economic instability and turmoil out there. So I want you to call Advantage Gold at 800-450-2566. Let them talk to you about using precious metals. Thousands of retirees are safeguarding their retirement with physical precious metals like gold and silver. And they're doing it inside their IRAs and their 401ks to help protect their retirement accounts. But... There's only one company that you should trust to buy precious metals from, real precious metals, not certificates claiming you own gold, but actual gold. You can do that with Advantage Gold by calling 800-450-2566. They're trust companies and trust links, number one highest rated gold company, seven years in a row. They've got the best prices, the best staff, the best IRA department in the country. They're ready to help you protect your retirement account today. They're ready to help you protect your savings, your investments, and teach you investment strategies for doing so with gold. 800-450-2566. That's 800-450-2566. Advantage Gold wants to get you a free gold IRA investment kit that tells you everything you need to know. Call them at 800 800- 
450-2566. Hello, y'all. It's Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number, 877-973-7425. You know, you can always text the word Eric, E-R-I-C-K, and you can follow me on social media. You should follow me on Instagram. We do put up show clips there, but I'm going to be doing a lot of cooking in the next few days. I'll be putting a lot of that up there. I live life on Instagram. Uh, text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. You can also click the top link, subscribe to the daily email. Now, someone whose voice I hadn't heard on here in a while, Rooster, welcome to the program. How are you? Oh, I'm doing fair, doing fair. I'm, I I didn't get to listen to you for a little while, and I'm back. And shoot, I, I I've been missing you for a while there. Eric. Well, welcome back. So uh, I I I heard on the radio or in the news or something like that about some tennis player that that is a world champion or whatever, and he can't come and play in the United States because he's not vaccinated. A- am I yes. hearing that right? Yeah, you, you are. Okay. It, it's stupid. And, and like, Florida's governor's trying to figure out how to get him inside the state, you know, maybe on a boat or some kind of crap like that. I, yes. I had a really brilliant idea about how to get this guy inside the, inside the country. How? Uh, we could bring him across the southern border. <laughs> so, okay. So you, 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 you say that, but Ron DeSantis wrote a letter to Joe Biden about this. So the, the tennis championship is going to be in, in Miami. And if you come into this country on a boat— you don't have to show vaccine requirements. If you come in by plane, you do. And of course, if you come across the southern border, you don't. And so DeSantis uh, sent uh, sent Biden a letter and, and basically says, I just want to make sure you're okay with it. If I get him across the southern border and by boat, you're not going to throw him out of the country if I go through the trouble, since you're not throwing anyone else out of the country who hasn't been vaccinated, who comes either way. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, that was the sense. And he's not wrong there. And, and so here's the kicker is I, I forget exactly when the tennis championship is. It's, it's coming up pretty soon, but it comes within just a couple of weeks of Biden expiring uh, the, the requirement. And that was DeSantis's other point is that, I mean, you're only a few weeks removed from when you're getting rid of this requirement. Why don't you go on and get rid of this requirement now so that this world-famous tennis player can come into this country and compete as opposed to having an artificial time uh, at which it goes away? It's, it's so stupid. And DeSantis's point is, is legitimate. I mean, literally, y'all, if the guy flies to, I don't know, let's say, let, let's say the Bahamas and he comes across on a boat from the Bahamas into Miami and he goes through customs. It doesn't matter whether he's been vaccinated or not. It legitimately doesn't matter. He could fly into the Bahamas, charter a boat to take him to Miami, go through customs in Miami and his vaccine status doesn't matter. It only matters if he comes aboard an airplane. That's how stupid the restriction actually is. And DeSantis is essentially saying that I'm willing to get the guy into the country via boat, and I just want to confirm that these are your rules because these are the rules you've laid out, and you're getting rid of them two or three weeks after this guy shows up. It's just generally one of the dumbest, dumbest things to see. Good grief. All right, when we come back, we have to pivot now. Because Joe Biden is moving to the middle, or at least he claims to be moving to the middle. And Democrats are furious with him. They're like legitimately 
legitimately mad at what's going on in the White House. I want to talk to you about that. Right now, a- a- Andy Go has this tweet out. Um, Stacey Abrams' nonprofit announces Stop Cop City direct action for March 9th in Atlanta following the terrorist attack on police and infrastructure by members of the movement last week. The nonprofit had been chaired by Senator Raphael Warnock. So they're going to launch uh, more protests, you know, peaceful protests in Atlanta to stop a police training facility from being built. Lock your doors and go home early, folks.